Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers. This week on the show, we talk about the next steps to take now you have your results and how to make sure you pass in the September sitting. We also look at news stories, including the new tax being imposed on internet heavyweights and another data breach fine that's making the headlines, as well as answering some listener questions. I'm Connor and I'm here with Alan. Hello. So, Alan, we are coming to the end of results week, so there's probably still a few stressful listeners, hopefully maybe not as stressed as on Monday. Well, I think you have a mixture of people who are really happy and a mixture of people who are kind of going through kind of stages of grief. Yeah. And maybe maybe by the time they're listening to this up to a week afterwards, they're kind of, it's settled, the reality is settling in. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one. Because uh, it's, it's kind of, it is, people think when you get your results, it's easy as well. But the kind of, the euphoria of passing and then being told you have to start studying this yeah. evening is tough enough as well. I think it's easy to, feel a little lost or you're waiting so long for one thing it's hard to then you know once that's either achieved or you're reassessing that suddenly you have to make the plan for another stint and to go again well a lot of students are left with it's the choice of what to do next then isn't it yeah and that's really and and we the results webinar during the week where we addressed that a lot but it's really that decision i suppose it's trying to take some of the emotion out and really think rationally how you can keep progressing um, what you really need to do to you know pass your next exam whether that's a reset that you're going to be taking or a new exam what you have to do to pass that yeah and I think the people for and especially those who are successful and maybe doing their last applied skills exam moving to that strategic professional level is a huge jump it's a massive step up but I don't think that should be underestimated so great that you've got it done but the the hardest part is yet to come really i think yeah and i think the the big thing that we find because it's getting to that stage where we're kind of you know five or six weeks out that there's no more time that you can stall any decisions that um you know any any time you have stalled so far it's really in crunch time now that you have to be putting you know prioritizing that work getting a lot of study done each week um, there's kind of no room for um, for relaxing now in no, these next couple not, of weeks and that's, I guess that's something that we say it's a difficulty with waiting for the results until such a time as um, you wait for the results and then decide what to do and I know people feel odd about kind of starting to study before you know the results but um, I guess if you haven't done that um, it really is time to, to knuckle down and if you're going to be doing the next exam you have to kind of um, put it all in. You, yeah. you, can't, you have to give everything up. So I suppose, you know, we've we've talked to students a lot this week. We had the webinar. We've seen a lot of different scenarios people are in. There's some kind of broad themes that people have had. So one, um, to put it to you, would be for students who have failed an exam but had started studying something else. Yes. What should there be approach for September? So I think there's a few, like, one of the tempters, I guess, is uh, let's just pick two. So let's say it's um, financial management and taxation in applied skills, just to pick two. Um, and let's say they did taxation and they found it that they failed and they've started to study financial management. I think there's two choices. If it's your first time doing taxation and it's relatively recent knowledge, I guess, um, your time studying the other subject isn't wasted. You will remember more a little bit of that and it will be helpful when you go to study that subject um, in the end. Um, you could also give yourself a break, keep going with the financial management or whatever one you started studying 
and then just the next time afterwards, just just reset the one that you failed this time. I think there's flexibility in the ACCA exam now that you can do that. Um, I think the where the real risk lies is if you failed an exam and started studying for another one, or even if you haven't started studying but you had planned to do another one next, that you try and take on two at this late stage. Yeah, I think that's a big, that's a big risk. And yes, people do, but like. In, to be kind of slightly blunt about it, if you didn't pass it when you're doing it on its own, why would you think you're going to pass it while taking another topic yeah. with it, with kind of five and a half weeks left to go to your exam? And that's that's one one of the questions we get a lot, and it's almost some students looking for um, approval or a green light, where yeah, they yeah, say, yeah. you know, they they want us to say, yeah, go ahead, do do both, or you know they'll say I got 47 in this and I'm sitting this I'm thinking of doing both but no we have a, a hard sense it you know it it doesn't matter how close you were the risk of then failing two and then suddenly you're you know you've lost another sitting without progressing yeah. but it is this fear of losing time and and uh, I guess it's maybe I'm at the other uh, slightly other end of that now but like I guess if you're in your mid-twenties and you think, oh, how could I possibly spend another three months studying? Mm. As if three months is kind of the difference between a successful career or a huge salary or something. Um, but in the long run, as three months as a, uh, I guess, as a percentage of what you would think your career would be. So if you're in your mid-twenties and you look at the way most countries with... Uh, by the time some people retire, they may never have a pension or they might, hmm. retirement might never be an option. And it's certainly going to be a lot later than it is now. Um, you're probably looking at 40 years ahead. So, and the problem is, is that if you do, if you do one now and then you take on another one and you fail those two, then you're six months behind. And I think you're always chasing, then you're always chasing and you're putting yourself under unnecessary pressure. And I think it's a case of, okay, I failed an exam what's the best way to get on track? It's kind of, well, let's write off this sitting. Let's do the one. Let's get it finished. Let's get back to the plan. Mm -hmm. And yes, you might be three months behind, but like what students have to be aware of and, and it's kind of when you do an exam, if you fail an exam and you take it again straight away, a lot of students do worse the second yeah. time. And, and it's because they say, oh, I got 45. I was only 5% away. And it doesn't, just doesn't yeah. work that way. And we talk a lot well we ourselves talk a lot in the podcast about motivation we get a lot of students asking about motivation and you know really the these exams are a slog there there's no denying that it's yeah. over you know people do them over a number of years it's consistent there's sittings it's quarterly there's no let up and where people have their issues with motivation is where you know they're consistently failing exams they get disheartened and most of the cases of those is is students where they're they're then trying to make up for lost time by doing two. We hear people doing three in one sitting. Yeah. Um, so, so you get into that downward spiral, don't yeah, you? I yeah. failed one, so now I need to catch up, so I need to do two. Then I failed two, I need to catch up and yeah, do yeah. three. And really the issue with the motivation comes because they don't, you know, they're at a, this flat kind of stagnant level and they're not getting um, any further. Whereas if you can just keep, knocking ones down ticking them off you know that's what you get your motivation from seeing that you're getting closer and closer to that yeah. um, later goal and the motivation should also come about what you want to do with your career rather than 
trying to motivate yourself to pass exam by exam. So it's kind of, well, what are you doing it for? Yeah. What are you doing all this hard work for? And like, if you think that life is a, as Forrest Gump said, like a box of chocolates and everything's <laughs> going to be lovely and happy and everything's going to work out perfectly. It's going to be this wonderful, nice, slightly sloping line that life just gets better as you get older and there's no challenges. Um, and so if you think failing the exam and right now you might be saying, God, this is the worst possible thing that could ever happen yeah, to yeah. me. Like that's, you End look, you look back in 10 years time and you'll think, wow, that was nothing in comparison to the stuff I've gone through. And you kind of, so you have to put, and a lot of students don't have that perspective yet, but you kind of have to try and create a little bit of perspective in life and think like it really is only an exam. It's only 12 weeks. You're still in a situation where you're continuing to build your career and things like that. And I think you kind of have to like exams are not just for the sake of doing exams. They're also an opportunity to, I guess, create that maturity, that emotional intelligence that gets you those future jobs. Yeah. And we the phrase that comes up a lot is road bumps. We all seem to have. Quite yeah, a bit, yeah. But I, you know, I don't know. There's very few students who will get you know, through their ACCA without some of those road bumps along the way, some yeah. exam that just doesn't go their way. But, you know, it's just about not not losing track of what you're what you're trying to achieve. There's a if I listened to a podcast from a boxer and, and he said it's not about the losing, it's about how you react to losing. Um and like because everybody's probably okay, there's some exceptions, but no matter what walk of life you're in or sport you're going to lose at one yeah. one stage. Something's going to go wrong. There's some. There's there's, there's going to be a bad day. Um, that and it, it's it's your reaction to that that will really yeah. kind of determine what type of career you'll have. Not not the fact that if you're a I was so unlucky. It's not my fault. The ACCA are making up the results. I didn't deserve it. I should pass. Blah 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 blah. Well, then that's going to set the tone for. You yeah. for you're always going to have excuses, but kind of taking it on the chin and and moving on, I think, is the best way forward. And I think I think that's really important at the moment because that's really where we're at now. And it's about you know you need to, as we said, you can't stall these decisions or what your plans are. You need to have that look at yourself now, what you're looking to do, and it's really that reaction from that. And you know, if you are planning on sitting an exam in September, you need to make that decision now and commit to it and not waste time thinking, you know, will I, will I do it? Will I put as much effort in? You really have to commit to that and put, um, you know, that effort into all the different study resources available up till that sitting to make sure that when the results come around next time, you know, before that you're happy with all that you put in and then they go well for you on the day. Yeah. Well, if you, if you, you just don't want to fall into that trap of saying, oh, well, it's so unfair, poor me. I'm not going to do exams the next time. I'll pick them up again. And I think once you stop, it's really hard. So as hard as you might think it is to keep going, it's much harder to stop and start again at a later yeah, date yeah. because you'll your life will take over again. You'll fill in all that time where you were studying. And the best way to get through your ACC exams is just to keep that keep going, keep going at them, keep at sometimes it feels like real toiling and, and real kind of struggle but you they they are worth it in the end and you will get your reward in the end but nothing nothing that's a big reward which is effectively your in theory could get a 40-year career out of these exams they shouldn't be easy yeah it's not supposed to be a walk in the park yeah and just for anyone who does um 
kind of maybe want to find more information about that idea of what to do next, we did run that results webinar during the week. So any Learn Signal subscribers can find that up on their course page. If you're enjoying listening to the Forget the Numbers podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate us on your podcast provider. Following on from a story we had last week on data breach fines for British Airways in the UK, we have another fine this week, which we probably can't ignore as a story. So Facebook has been slapped with a $5 billion fine over its privacy breaches. Um, That's by the Federal Trade Commission in the US. They've said that Facebook, there was inappropriate sharing of information of 87 million users um, with the now defunct British political consulting firm Cambridge Analytica. Um, And I think so the the British Airways fine last week we had was, I think it was maybe three to five percent of um, their global turnover. So this is nine percent of Facebook's 2018 revenue. Um, which that being five billion just shows how much <laughs> these are making. Five billion um, is quite a number, isn't it? Yeah. So, and um, we talked a bit last week of, you know, how relevant this is. We even said how you can see it in ACCA syllabus. Our own CPD courses are calling for it, but it really just shows that data is this modern currency, and you know, trying to to control the the use of that or, or regulate that is is just becoming more increasingly important. And it actually even more supports my thoughts about never having a Facebook account. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like five billion. You're is not loud. one of the eighty-seven like, million. No, no, <laughs> I'm definitely not one of the eighty-seven million. That's that's pretty much guaranteed. Um, but it is. It's it's a massive fine. Like any company getting a five billion dollar, doesn't matter how big you are, um, that is not lose change. And it's kind of, it's what it says about the company. And it's it's kind of it's a real statement. And I think yeah. Most people know the US regulators are very um, aggressive on their fines compared to the UK. Um, but as you said, it's a really good, like da- data is the modern currency. It's what, like, we we look at people and we kind of, we send emails out to students and ACCA send emails out to students. And people are less and less looking at emails because they're getting so much yeah. rubbish in. And their data is... And, like, I get emails in all the time. I said, how did they get my email address? Yeah. How, where where did I... And, I mean, in you've signed up to some website and the 49 pages of terms and conditions means somewhere you've given them permission to, yeah, yeah. to sell your email address to somebody. And uh, it really is that, that kind of... And, and it really is more and more of those... Five billion dollar fines are going to be the only thing that'll, yeah. Well, I hopefully think make people take um, take notice. Yeah, because uh, as we were saying, it's that is this modern currency, but it's your own data isn't even a currency that you have. It's, yeah. it's not your own um, property to an extent, because it's just being harvested by these companies, and you don't know what it's being yeah. used for. And and we've we've talked about that. Um, before I think we talked about it when we talked of Facebook again, their currency, how they can. You know they can tailor this data they have to you to yeah. to kind of scary um. And scary I, I make the joke sometimes about data that like oh people have my data. I said well my life isn't that exciting so if they really want to see <laughs> like, let the let them look. But it's not just about one. It's not just about one person. It's not about looking at me. And the Cambridge Analytica thing was it's actually using data to kind of inappropriately make a group of people make ill-informed decisions effectively or decisions based on incorrect and false information and it's not about whether you agree with the decision or not but it's about the fact that they were told 
would you say, lies or exaggerations in order to make certain, yeah. uh, which caused to make certain decisions that we're kind of all paying for still right yeah, now. Yeah, the, so, the ongoing, yeah. The, on, the ongoing thing. And you kind of go, fair enough, uh, nobody, it's a nobody, or I certainly don't have an issue with anybody making a decision, but making a decision based on false information yeah. is just the worst thing. And I think we, it's something that had come up um, again last week when we talked about these large fines is that, you know, it has to be, they have to be tailored that they'll hurt the company. Yeah, yeah. It can't. And we actually said last week that in the UK, the fine for Facebook for the Cambridge Analytica uh, scandal was half a million, which yeah. is is it, pocket change, is yeah. um, is petty cash. These they guys. spend more than put yeah. that and putting a gym in one of the yeah, buildings. Yeah. Like so yeah. it it really, and that's why it's you know it's good to see these trends that they are now putting it as a percentage of. Um, their revenue is is really the only way that you can can make it hurt for those mm. individual companies, but it certainly um, sends out a message, and I think that's what you're seeing with a lot of um, with these new regulations in that a lot of the regulators are really trying to make a point that you know no one is no one is above this, and yes. um, that you know it it sends a message to everyone else who does have data that they really need to be treating that appropriately and putting the right measures in place to avoid other situations like this. So our next story is, um, and again, it's a, another Facebook one, so they're they're having a bit of a rough week. But France is the first country to impose um, a new tax on internet heavyweights. So this is a tax which is being talked about in a lot of countries, but France is the first one um, to bring it in. It's called the GAFA tax, G-A-F-A, uh, and that's an acronym for Google, Apple, Facebook, and Amazon. Um, but it's not just restricted to those companies. They just make the name. But I think within France, there's um, there's 30 individual companies which are going to be exposed to this tax. And it's a 3% levy on total annual revenue, uh, total revenues within those countries for the largest tech firms operating in the countries. Um, really to, to make sure that they're paying their fair share within mm-hmm. the, the country. So it's it's getting mixed support. Um, this, you know, some EU countries are looking to follow suit and think it's appropriate, but then others with low corporation tax rates, such as Ireland, such as, Ireland, <laughs> such as where yeah. we are tuning in from, are um, opposed to it because they want to keep the companies um, coming in here. So it's, it's something I would expect that we're going to start to see more. I know the UK are, I think, currently trying to get their own version of this GAFA mm. tax through. Um, but do you think that that's fair, that successful companies should be, um, you know, even playing within, I suppose, stretching certain rails, this this tax avoidance thing? Yeah. That they should be... Um, I think it's everybody should pay their fair share. And, like, when you look at the the amounts that individuals pay and how there's, there's very few loopholes as an individual not to pay a lot of tax effectively. And I think it's only fair that everybody pays their own way and, and companies should pay their own way as well. Um, I think what the problem with France is that unless more countries, I think, follow suit, these companies will just start restricting their activities in France. And they'll just move to more, do more activities in countries like Ireland, and and yeah. then it depends how the tax is done. But so I think it's a, but the whole thing about three. I think the fear from companies' perspective, it's not the actual amount that they pay for tax, 
it's once something is in, it can change. Yeah. So, like, if it's 3%, it's not the 3%. It's the fact that, well, could this be 5? Could this be 10? Could this be 15 in five years' time? So it's the uncertainty of it being there. Um, and I think there's also an element of, like, France is a huge population. These companies have to do business there or want yeah. to do business there. And there's a there's a certain amount, well, they're kind of a, a captive audience in a way. Yeah, so, and I suppose... You know, as you said, it might be being the first mover on something like this can be a brave move that you're hoping others follow suit. But I know that I think the US were, you know, quite opposed and were almost threatening France with restrictions because they're they're um, bringing these new levies which are affecting effectively um, US companies. Yeah, but then if, then the US has also criticised Ireland in the past and Obama has criticised Ireland in the past and other countries yeah. like Ireland that have a low corporation tax oh, right. rate. So you're going to go, well, well, which one do you agree with? <laughs> I, <laughs> think, I think the US <laughs> are criticising most Yeah, well, that's, I guess we, uh, it's moment. a different world than Mr. Obama yeah. maybe um, now. So. And I think it's, you know, it's it's kind of more what we're seeing is it's it's threatening people with trade. Everyone's looking very um, individually and it's, it's a more n- nationalist approach to... Uh, yeah. Which we've probably seen before. Well, I think Macron is very much keen on that. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Each week, at the end of the show, we answer questions sent in by our listeners. You can send your questions in by email to podcast at learnsignal.com or tweet us at LearnSignal. So we had lots of student questions coming in this week, um, given that it was results week, and they were centering around a lot of what we talked about earlier, which was what they should do next. But one of the questions um, which we maybe haven't addressed, which again came in from lots of students, was around, um, you know, people who failed an exam one, maybe two, even three times. And they're just wondering if they're approaching that exam again, what should they do differently? Well, I think um, there's two sides to that because it is really disheartening failing two, three, four. I've heard stories of seven, eight, nine times um and it's really hard when people say oh, what, what do i do now like should i keep going but then one the, a student got in touch yesterday and said that she had failed advanced audit insurance five times and she'd just done it with us and she passed and that was her last exam and you kind of go well like would i have continued for that long would i have kept going like five times like when do you yeah. kind of say and the problem with ACCA the fact that she got that far it's like if you don't keep going all those years of yeah, wasted yeah, like it kind of, you don't have anything to show you don't have any certificate you don't have anything it's just kind of go, oh that's gone now it's like I've never done anything um, but it is back to like there's a reason why you're failing over and over again it's the time you're studying it's the way you're studying it's there's something has to change and you have to change dramatically yeah you can't just say i'm going to do more of the same thing i've always done before and if i just do more of that eventually i'll get it and it's not that and it's it's admitting to yourself that whatever you've been doing is not working and that you need something you need something to change i think and i think most of the time it's when you start studying and it's it's the effort that you make and you fall this this sense of well, I've had five, um, I've I've attempted it five times. I've got forty seven, and I've got thirty three. I know why I got forty seven, and and you're hanging on to the past. Mm. And I think at some stage you have to forget about everything you've learned, and start again. Yeah, and I think 
we, we kind of mentioned it earlier, it's it's the people who are sometimes in that, you know, 40 to 50 mark consistently and they think, oh, I'm so close. It's just something, yeah. you know, I had a bad day, but it's it's not. It's as you said, you have to do something different with your approach because there's a reason why you're consistently falling within that mark. And the other thing we find is sometimes you have to do the thing with study that you don't like doing, that's, yeah. that some students think, oh, I can avoid that, whether it's practicing mock exams, whether it's doing questions under time conditions. Some students say, oh, I, I don't like doing CBE to practice questions, but if you're doing that exam, that might be the difference. So sometimes it's taking a hard look at, you know, what the issue, what's the reason you're failing, and you might have to just kind of suck it up and do that thing you don't like with your study. If you're working in a job, there's things you there's always things in a job that even a job that you really love and enjoy, there's always tasks that you don't particularly like, but they're kind of a and a means to an end that by doing those kind of you might call them boring tasks or regular tasks, it's it's allows you to do the other parts of your job that you really like. And the problem is when you're studying is that there's nobody you don't have a manager or a boss or whoever is running the company telling you like you have to do the stuff you don't yeah. like as well. And the natural the natural inclination of students is kind of I love practicing questions with numbers in them, so I'm gonna do yeah. lots of those. But actually that that's what should be left aside. And that's what we mean about dramatic changes. You really have to be and it's about being honest with yourself. It's about kind of sitting yeah, down yeah. and kind of saying, like, come on now. Like, we can only do so much. Any provider can only do so much. But if you're failing four or five times, and whether it's with the same provider or different providers, you kind of have to start looking at yourself eventually and saying, I have to do something different here. I have to take ownership. I have to take responsibility. And I have to fix this. And I think it's really back to just starting again, wipe it all away, forget, and, and kind of... Find like our approach with the studying and the timetables and things like that, and people go, "Oh, that's a lot of work. I don't think I can keep it up." Well, well, why not? Just mm. like you've failed four or five times or whatever it might be, just do it. Yeah, it's and just twelve weeks. It just it's twelve weeks. You never have to think about it again. Instead of kind of in two more sittings later, thinking I still haven't passed, but I didn't study that much. And I think a lot of the time, if people are truly honest with each other or with each other or with themselves. Um, they know exactly why they're not passing the exam. Yep. So I think we'll finish up there. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. All the best. Bye-bye.